Welcome, everybody. Before we get into our study of God's Word today, let me speak to a question that's on everyone's mind, and that is, when will we reopen and begin gathering for worship in person again? Because of changes to our state and county government's health orders last week, it's now possible for us to meet here on our campus. At the beginning of this service, I reminded you about an email we sent this Thursday and the survey that many of you have already taken. As we are receiving your input, we are seeking God's leadership about next steps. We have a weighty responsibility as a church to do the best we can to reopen wisely. And we want to do all we can to make our worship spaces safe and healthy places to gather. There are three things I hope you'll be doing right now. First, be prayerful. Pray for your pastors and elders to have wisdom and keep asking God to protect Southwinds and and, and the communities around us. Second, be gracious. Honestly, we have so many different perspectives and opinions about this crisis and about when and how we should reopen. But let's not forget that God calls us to unity. Let's make sure we don't allow small differences about reopening to foster division. It is so important now for us to stay focused on our mission as a church. And then third, please be patient. Patience is needed as we work out all the details about how we can come together and do that safely and do that wisely. And then even when we reopen, uh, we need to understand that our life together as a church will be different It's not going always to be the way we might prefer. Now, we want to do our best to communicate with you as we move forward. And I just want to tell you today, I can't wait to see you again. And I am praying that it will be very, very soon. Before we study God's word, I would like to take some moments together to pray. Like you, my heart has been grieved in recent days by these outbreaks of racism we've seen, that the terrible violence against God's image bears, men and women God created. And I've been praying for the family of George Floyd and, and for so many others who've been wounded once again. I've been praying that as a nation, we will repent of racism wherever it exists. I'm praying that all of us will be willing to examine our own hearts I'm praying that God will bring peace to our cities. And so I think it would be very important for us right now to pray together as a church family. I want to invite you, wherever you are, uh, to just bow your heads, to just take some time to focus, close your eyes, center your thoughts. Let's go to the Father together as his people. Father, our hearts break at the darkness that we continue to see in our nation. And Lord, as your people, we lament and we grieve over the racism, the violence against our brothers and sisters of color. Lord, we call out to you to bring about justice for all people where we, Lord, as individuals may need to repent by, our, uh, by your Holy Spirit, show us. Lord, may, may we be humble before you and each other. Lord, where we as a church family need to take action, would you give us wisdom? And we pray, we pray, Lord, that you would restore peace to our cities, true peace that's rooted in righteousness and justice. Lord, we are a divided and polarized people, and we believe you are our only hope. 
So we look to you and we ask you to bring healing to our land. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And we pray these things, Father, in the name of Jesus. Jesus, our Lord. Jesus, our Savior. Jesus, our healer. Jesus, our peace. And wherever you are, as God's people, would you now say, amen, amen, amen. Today, I want to take you to one of my favorite Bible stories, and it's actually a storm story. I think most of us have some stories about physical storms that we've been through. Uh, Dana and I have a, a big storm story from our past when we used to live in Chicagoland. Actually, 30 years ago this coming August is when it happened. We survived an F5 tornado with 300-mile-an-hour winds that crashed in on our home, and, and it was a terrifying day. Storms can be strange and crazy. On September 9, 1994, a very weird weather system blew through a small town in Montana. And listen to this. At, at 5 a.m., it was 67 degrees. And then at 5.17, it, it shot up to 93 degrees. But by 5.40, it dropped back down to 68 degrees. Strange. One spring near Vicksburg, Mississippi, a hailstone fell, and it encased a 6-by-8-inch turtle. Experts say a water spout must have pulled the turtle up into the clouds where it, it got wrapped by ice before it fell back to earth as hail. And I'm kind of wondering, does anyone feel like that turtle right now? Here, here's one more storm story. Park ranger Roy Sullivan is the only man in the world to be struck by lightning seven times. The first time he was struck was in 1942. His only injury was a toenail that just got blown off. In 1969, he lost his eyebrows. In 1970 and 72, his hair was set on fire. In 1973, his new hair was set on fire again. And then he was struck once more in 76, and then in 1977, after which he retired early from the Park Service. Makes you think of all kinds of puns like, well, his retirement came as no shock. Or, Roy always managed to say current but I'm not going to say any of those. What I want to tell you today is probably the best storm story in the world. This message is called Shelter in the Storm, and it's about how Jesus calmed the storm, and we find it in Matthew 8, verses 23 to 27. This event made such an impression on Jesus' first followers that they actually recorded it three times in the Gospels of Mark, Luke, and here in Matthew Listen to how Matthew tells the story. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. Now pause right there. To understand this story, you need to understand the setting. This happened uh, on the Sea of Galilee, this big, beautiful lake, about 13 miles long, about 8 miles wide. It's the lowest freshwater lake in the world, about 700 feet below sea level. And that's part of why it gets such extreme weather. It's located in a valley called the Jordan Rift Valley, and only 20 miles to the north of the lake is Mount Hermon, over 9,200 feet high, often snow-capped. 
So this is a mountain about 10,000 feet above the level of the Sea of Galilee, and it's only 20 miles away. Down in the valley sits the Dead Sea, even lower than Death Valley. Heated air blows north from the Dead Sea toward the Sea of Galilee, and when that air collides with cold air from Mount Hermon coming down over the lake, violent storms form. They form suddenly. They form seemingly out of nowhere. And that's what we're seeing here in Matthew's account when it says, without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Now, some of you, this is your worst fear. And some of you are thinking, that's my life right now. I'm in a storm. And I feel like Jesus is sleeping. It's like I'm praying and praying, but no one's answering But I want you to think about this. One thing this story shows us is you're not the first person to go through this. The people Jesus knew best and loved the most, they felt like that too. And they were in a literal storm while six feet away, Jesus is in the boat asleep. See, when you feel like God has left you, this story is here to remind you it's okay. You're not the first person to feel this way. Look again at the text, beginning in verse 25. It says the disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And notice it's not we might drown, it's we're going to drown. It's we're all going to die. I think apparently they they want Jesus to be awake when they die. Look again at the text, verses 26 and 27. He replied, you of little faith, Why are you so afraid? And if you think about that question, maybe you think what I think. Maybe you're you're thinking of the disciples wondering, Jesus, you're asking why we're afraid? Well, it's because of this storm. It's because we know other fishermen who got caught in a storm like this and they drowned. Yes, we are very afraid. And maybe we might think, of course, they were very afraid. And maybe we might wonder, what is Jesus rebuking here? And I think what he is rebuking here is that they were so afraid. They let fear get a death grip, a a chokehold on them. And it's not that they were just anxious. They had given in to despair. They were convinced they were going to die. And then, look at the text. Then he got up. And rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. That's a good question. What kind of man is this? Well, that's the point of the story, to teach us who Jesus is, to tell us what kind of man and what kind of God he is. Here's what I think God wants to teach us today. Maybe you want to write this down. In the midst of the what that causes us to fear, there is always a who saying, look at me, eyes on me. You see, here's what happened. In this moment, their focus went from the what, which was the storm, to the who, to who was in the storm with them. Their their focus instantly went to what kind of man is this? And if there's anything that should be getting our attention in our storm today, it's not the size of the waves. It's the what kind of person is with us in the boat. So I want to ask you, do you know who is in your boat? 
Don't miss this. When your faith in someone exceeds your fear of something, then you'll find shelter in the storm. And that is the big idea of this story and this message. So let's dive in. Last week, if you'll remember in our study of James 1, we saw three realities of troubles. They're inevitable, unpredictable, and they're random. And we see all of that here in Matthew 8. Storms happened all the time, inevitably, on the Sea of Galilee, but you never knew when. That's unpredictable and random. And that's what Matthew writes. He says, without warning, a furious storm came up. But this story adds another layer. Storms are also impartial. In other words, storms happen to all of us. It doesn't matter who we are. They happen to good people. They happen to bad people. I came across an article that talked about the the pandemic that swept the world and our nation in 1918. And here are some headlines from the Seattle Daily Times, October 5, 1918. They look kind of familiar, right? Churches, schools, shows, closed. Epidemic puts ban on all public assemblies. It's striking how similar things were. At that time, everyone was wearing masks. I mean, look at these pictures. Major League Baseball players and umpires were wearing masks. The police were wearing masks. Postal workers, they were wearing masks. Sanitation workers were wearing masks. Everyone, good and bad, rich and poor, Everyone, they were wearing masks because they were all in it together. And this is just a a blunt illustration of the fact that storms in life are impartial. Now, by this, I don't mean that, that some people aren't feeling the brunt of the storm more than others. Of course, that's true. But what I'm talking about is this misconception that many people have that the only time people go through tough times is when they're disobeying God. And that's not true. Look at this story. The disciples, they sailed into this storm because they obeyed Jesus. Jesus had told his disciples to follow him into the boat. In other words, they were in the center of his will, and yet they were in the middle of the storm. So when you're going through a tough time, don't automatically assume, I'm out of God's will. You may be exactly where God wants you to be. So if storms are inevitable, unpredictable, random and impartial, then how should I respond to the storms that hit my life? Look look at this next picture. I found it online. It's a picture of a surfer at Mavericks, that world-class surf break off Half Moon Bay. And he is surfing a massive wave that, that could smash a boat to splinters. And he's riding it. And that's the idea here. I can panic in the wave or I can surf the wave. How? Well, in this story, we're going to learn four ways that we can find shelter in the storms of life. Here's the first one. Go ahead and write this down in your message notes. Ask for help. Ask for help. The disciples were sailing across the lake. Jesus was asleep. The storm came. They were afraid. They tried to handle it, and the storm got worse, and it got worse. And finally, a moment came when it got so bad, the disciples woke Jesus up and they asked for help. Now, when was that moment? Well, it was when they thought they were going to drown. And here's my question. Why do we wait until we think we're going to die before we ask for help? What if we ask for help before we were desperate? In other words, why do we spend so much time in fear before we ask? 
I think one of the lessons in this story is we wait too long to ask for help. You say, well, how do I ask for help? Listen to Philippians 4, 6. Paul writes, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Now focus on that verse for a few minutes. This will help you shelter in a storm. Paul is telling us to pray, to ask for help. Now you might be thinking, well, I tried that. I've done that. I've prayed about things before and I'm just as afraid. Look at what this verse tells us. It gives us some simple directions for prayer. There's a kind of praying that reduces fear. And I want you to circle or underline three different things. The verse begins, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And you might circle everything. In other words, the more things you pray about, the less that you will be afraid. Imagine a scale of what we in our lives pray about, and it goes from here to here. And over here, it's like I pray about nothing. And then over here on the other side, it's I pray about anything. Now, I don't think anyone is always on the everything side. I know I'm not. And here's how I want to encourage you. You see, each step between here and here reduces your fear. And maybe the first step we could think of uh, from I pray about nothing is I at least pray about my crisis situations. Like, like you should be regularly praying about all that's going on in this pandemic. And, and then maybe the next step for you would be I pray about life's big decisions like Will I lose my job because of this pandemic? Will I need to change careers? Will I have to move? And maybe a next step for parents would be like, I I need to pray for my kids because you have lots of fears for your kids, maybe even more so today in this situation. And then maybe another step is I pray about all my life's decisions, not just the really big ones. And then the next step is I pray about my daily circumstances. And this just keeps going. And I think you understand, and I want you to see that every step you take along this continuum reduces your fear. So just keep taking one more step. Second, look back to this verse and and circle that phrase, tell God what you need. Tell God what you need. Sometimes we talk to God, but we never get around to talking to him about what's really bothering us. We, We think like he doesn't have enough time to hear my needs. I'm gonna tell you, God is big enough to take care of all 7 billion people on this planet while he keeps the universe running and while he gives you personal daily attention. And he tells us in his word he wants to meet your needs. You may be worried sometimes that you're asking selfishly. You know what I found? I found that if I ask selfishly, God usually lets me know. But the only way to find out is to ask. And so be specific about what you need, about what you're afraid of. Talk to him about your fears and know that he will listen. And then third, notice, it says, thank him for all that he has done. You might want to circle, thank him. I can't think of anything more important in getting free of our fears than thanksgiving. Many times we we talk to God about our fears, about our needs, but we never thank him. And so as you pray, always take moments to say, God, I have a lot of fears, but I want to thank you for what you've already given me. And that moment of thanksgiving can do so much, so much to reduce our fear, probably more than you would ever imagine. 
So I just want to ask you, are you sheltering in the storm? Are you asking for help? Here's a a second thing that we see in this story. We need to question our fears. You need to question your fears. You've heard me say it before that the most common command in Scripture is fear not or do not be afraid. God said it to just about everyone in the Bible, Abraham, Moses, Joshua, David, on and on. Jesus said it to his disciples. Here's one example, John 14, 27. Jesus is speaking. He says to them, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So if you want to live with with real peace of mind and heart, you have to question your fears. Let me give you a practical exercise, something you can do this week to question those fears. You just need to get a piece of paper and draw a line down the middle. And then on one side of the paper, write my fears at the top and then begin to list your fears. And you'll find that sometimes seeing those fears and being honest about those fears is the first step to finding God's healing for them. Maybe you write down, I'm afraid I'll get the coronavirus and die. Or I'm afraid I'll lose my job. Or I'm afraid for my kids. Or I'm afraid I won't be able to pay my bills. And and you just write them down so that you can see them. And it's interesting, many times when we bring those, those fears out into the open, we begin to see they're not quite as big as we thought. And then on the other side of the paper, you need to write at the top, what if? What if that fear really happened and you think it through? I'm afraid I won't be able to pay my bills and if I can't pay my bills, I'll lose my house. If I can't pay my bills, I'll I'll lose my car. Well, I guess then you'd have fewer bills. That's some good news, right? I don't want to minimize your problems. But what I do want to do is show you most of the time our fears are not as great as we think we are, especially when we bring God into the picture. So writing it down and facing the what if, it it helps you to realize you're not thinking correctly. I'm afraid, but, but even if my fear happens, I know that God is still here. And even if that thing that I'm worried about happens, I can know that people will still love me. I can know that my life will still go on. Now, the disciples, they could have done that. They're in this boat, and they're with Jesus. And get this, think about it. And they think they're all going to drown. But what kind of an ending to the New Testament would that have been? You know, headline in the Jerusalem Chronicle, stupid disciples killed Jesus. Really? No resurrection, no salvation. I mean, none of that is going to happen. God's plans are going to come to a crashing end. I mean, do we really think God would have allowed that? They already knew that Jesus, the guy with them on the boat, could walk on water. I mean, if the boat had sunk, Jesus could have just done another miracle, and he could have saved the disciples too. See, play the what-if game. And when you do that, you begin to realize, even if my greatest fear happens, it will never change the fact that God is always with me, that God will always love me. Because, friends, once you've trusted him, nothing changes that foundational reality. So question, question your fears. Number three, increase your faith. Jesus says to his disciples, why do you have so little faith? And this tells us if we're going to truly shelter in any storm, my my faith has to grow. But again, the question is how? 
And I think this story shows us at least two things we can remember that help our faith to grow, that help our faith to increase. And you can write these down. First of all, Jesus is always close. See, these disciples, they forgot how close they were to God in the flesh. If you read this uh, account of this story in the Gospel of Mark, it, it tells us that for the entire day before this storm, right before they got into the boat, Jesus was preaching and doing miracle after miracle after miracle. In other words, they had literally just witnessed hours before Jesus' incredible power, but they forgot. They forgot. Jesus is in the boat. Jesus is here with me. And you know, right now for us, a storm is striking us. It's here in our city, here in our county, here in our state and country, all around the world. It's a pandemic, but Jesus is in the boat with us. There may be a storm of uncertainty in your life. I mean, you may not know when you can reopen your business. Jesus is in the boat with you. Maybe your relationships are strained to the point of breaking right now. You've been sheltering in place with the same people for months and conflict is rising and you don't know what to do. Or, Or maybe you're lonely, you're so lonely because you've been sheltering in place all alone. Jesus is in the boat with you. In crisis, we we tend to think we're going through it all alone, but we're not. We're not. In Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2, this is what God says. Listen to these beautiful, wonderful words. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Now, God's not saying we never go through a crisis. He is saying we never go through a crisis alone. And this is the simple truth, but it is so important. We must remember and believe the fact that Jesus, Jesus is with me now. He's with you now, even before you get answers, even before your problem is solved. Jesus is close. Jesus is in my boat. Here's the second truth that helps increase our faith. Write this one down too. Uh, It tells us this story that Jesus always cares. Now I mentioned this storm story is told in three gospels. Uh, In Mark's gospel, again, this is Mark 4, 38. It says, the disciples said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now have you noticed that's how we often react to storms? Have you ever said, God, don't you care? Well, let me assure you, This story shows that God cares about what you're going through. Now, as soon as I say this, I know some of you are saying, well, I've heard that a million times. Well, you may have heard this, and you may believe this in your head, but in your heart, you need to rest in this. You need to rest in this, and it's hard, especially right now. You see, I know there's this dynamic where, where we may believe that Jesus cares and we may know the Bible teaches that, but to actually today in real life trust and relax and rest into that care, that, that's hard. I want you to listen to a story. It's a, a story about a missionary in South America named Harmon Schmelzenbach. I mean, like what a name, right? 
One day, Harmon was praying at his home, and this huge python uncoiled itself from the rafters of his room, dropped down and wrapped around his body. Now, of course, pythons squeeze their victims to death. And he said in that situation, for, for reasons he couldn't explain, a verse that he had memorized, Isaiah 30, verse 15, flooded his mind. Here's what that says. That verse says, In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Rest. Quiet. So with this huge snake wrapped around his body, Harmon says he sensed God saying, rest, quiet. And somehow he remained perfectly still. Experts told him later that if he had moved a muscle, the python probably would have constricted and immediately killed him. But he totally relaxed and slowly the snake uncoiled itself and went back up to the rafters. Evidently he became uninteresting prey. He has a great quote about this story. He said, I learned two important lessons that day. One, always pray with one eye open. Two, relax in God's care. It's what 1 Peter 5, 7 is saying to us. And by the way, this would be an important verse for you to memorize as you are battling with fears and anxieties. Here's what 1 Peter 5, 7 says. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I want you to think of these two truths as as we go through crises in our lives, like, like this current crisis that's gripping our nation. You need to remind yourself over and over and over again, God is close and God cares. Does it sometimes feel like there's a, a snake of fear coiling around you? Quiet, rest, be still. Say it over and over again. Maybe you need to say it out loud. God is close and God cares. In fact, why don't you right now where you are, say it with me. God is close and God cares. See, it's gonna feel at times if you do this and if you rest, it's gonna feel like the snake of fear. It will lose interest in you and it will leave you and you'll relax in God's promised care. I don't know, but maybe right now I'm talking to a single mom who can't pay rent because the place where you work is closed. God is close. God cares. Maybe I'm talking to a young couple and you've poured everything that you have into a business and that shop that you own, it's now closed. God is close. God cares. Maybe, maybe I'm talking to someone who's, who's watched a loved one die all alone. You couldn't go there. You weren't allowed in. But, but in that moment and in all the moments since, you can know God is close God cares. I want to point out something that the disciples really did right here, and it's this. When they were afraid, they talked to Jesus about it. Even if they did say, Jesus, don't you care? I mean, at least they talked to him. And I'm telling you, we need to do the exact same thing. Go to Jesus, take him your fears, give him your doubts, and take those to him in prayer. And you'll see your faith grow as you shelter in the storm. here's Here's the last truth that I want you to notice. Acknowledge God's control. 
acknowledge God's control. Now, now Jesus is always in the boat with us. Jesus is always close. Jesus always cares for us, no matter what we're going through. And Jesus is also always in control of our storms. And again, that's ultimately the point of this story. Mark 4, 39 says, he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Greek scholars say that this is a fairly difficult phrase to translate into to English. In the King James Version, maybe you remember this translation. It says, peace, be still. But there's something very strong about these words in, in Greek. One scholar says that he believes more literally it should be translated that Jesus is saying, sit down and shut up. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, shut up was a swear word in my house. We, we were not allowed to say it. Not too long ago, I heard someone who grew up with that same rule talk about the house they, they grew up in. Um, they, they, they couldn't say shut up, but their parents had actually taught them to use the King James Version's language instead to say, peace be still. Now, in this home, there were two biological sisters, but there were also 12 foster kids. So 14 kids in one house. And all 14 of those kids were taught to use the King James language. Not shut up, but peace be still. What do you think happened? Well, they still had arguments, of course. Only in their arguments, they yelled at each other, peace be still. You peace be still. Peace be still times a thousand. Peace be still infinity. Well, Jesus... Jesus didn't have to say, peace be still infinity. Jesus didn't have to yell. Jesus just spoke the words, quiet, be still. And the wind obeyed. Total silence, absolute calm. What was the point? Jesus was showing that he was the Son of God, and he was telling you, nothing is beyond my control. Now, this is so important. Notice, this is the facts of fear, three facts of fear. Uh, Number one, I feel fear when things are out of my control. Number two, most of my life is out of my control, so I will feel fear many times. And then three, God is in control so I don't need to feel fear. In other words, I will feel less fear when I remember that God is in control, when I remember that Jesus is the Lord of the wind and the waves. Do you remember the last verse of this story? Matthew 8, 27. It says, the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Answer to that question is he's not merely a man. Jesus is also the Son of God. Jesus is also the Messiah. So when I acknowledge that God is in control, I can fear less. Now, I may never be fearless. 
in this current COVID crisis or in any crisis in my life. But when I remember not just the what of the storm, but more so the who that is with me, the, the who is, that is so close to me, the, the who who always cares for me, the who who is ultimately in control of my life and everything on this planet, and that that, that person is Jesus, Jesus who also calls me son, daughter, friend, then I don't have to fear. Jesus said that really interesting phrase, oh, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? The reality is everyone gets afraid. But Jesus says, why are you so afraid? Why do you have so much fear? You see, much fear is tied to little faith. And that's the bottom line of this message. I fear storms too much when I trust God too little. And that's often true in my life. I know maybe you recognize this too and wrestle with it as well. But I want you to see the opposite is also true. The more I trust God, even before I know what's happening, even before I understand, even before I know the solution, the more I trust that God is close and God cares and God is in control, the less I am afraid. Because in my heart, each day, I will hear him saying, peace, be still, quiet, rest. And he'll say that to whatever storm is raging inside my mind and my heart. I'm gonna ask you right now, would you pray with me? Would you pray with me? Let's bow our heads. You know, Jesus, Jesus saved his disciples from the storm, and saved them. And I just want to ask you, has he saved you from your sin? The first thing I want to do right now is just to invite you to ask Jesus to forgive your sins and surrender your life to him as Lord. If you haven't done that yet, will you say yes to Jesus today? Will you pray something like this? Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner. I have disobeyed your will and your word And not only in my actions, but in my words and thoughts as well. And right now, today, Jesus, I turn from my sin and I repent. And I trust that you will forgive me because you died for me. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior and calm calm the storm inside me. Maybe right now as you're listening, you're, you're already a believer, but you know you've been anxious, you've been fearful, you've been bound up in, in the chains of fear and anxiety. And that's really understandable, but you can pray too. And so maybe right now you need to pray, Lord, help me to rest in your care, in your closeness, in your control. Father, we pray that you would meet and answer the prayers being lifted up to you right now. Father, we we pray not only for ourselves in these moments, but we pray, Lord, for others who need your strength and your help and your peace. Lord, we pray for those who are on the front lines of this coronavirus crisis. We pray for the first responders and the the medical professionals and people who work in grocery stores and many, many more, Lord. Would you please, please keep them healthy and keep them safe. Lord, we pray for all of our leaders at every level of government. Lord, give them wisdom. 
give them insight. Lord, we also want to pray for all of those working on a cure. Would you give them special, even supernatural skill? Would you work through them? Lord, we ask that you would heal our world. We pray that you would end this pandemic. And Lord, these requests, all of them, we we pray in the name of the one who says, peace, be still. Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, and all God's people who are hearing this together say, amen and amen and amen. I want to thank you again for joining us for online worship this Sunday. We are so grateful that you've been here. And I'm praying that you're going to have in this week ahead a special week full of God's blessing, full of God's encouragement. I'm praying most of all that as you go through this week, whatever storms you're facing in your life, that you will be able to rest, that you will be able to relax in God's care. I hope you have a wonderful week. I will see you next Sunday. Thanks for joining us.